Good morning. Hey, it's great to see you this weekend. Hope you've had a great week. I want to say hello to the Mobile campus. Welcome, guys. Thanks for being part of our experience this weekend. Also, all of those who watch online, thank you so much for being part of, of our services. We really appreciate it. You know, we have a great group of men at Bay Community Church, and uh, I, I just want to give you a little glimpse. There's a group of about a dozen who went to Honduras a couple of weeks ago on a project there. We're building a church for Pastor Oscar, and uh, we'll just watch the video. My name is Benny. Uh, I had the privilege to go on a mission trip uh, with 11 other guys to Honduras. Wasn't sure what to expect. Was looking forward to the experience of, of working on something intentional. But God showed us that if all we did was to go there and work with brick and mortar, that we'd failed. So that was the biggest thing that I had no idea to expect out of that was how he united everyone and how God spoke to us in devotions every morning that the whole building happened within each and every one of us. We had the opportunity on Sunday to go visit Bay Honduras. feel like we're at home and the, that the DNA is really there. It's the same thing, just a different language. If anybody had the opportunity to go on a mission trip, I would say absolutely yes. And when you see God move in that atmosphere, it's something that's just truly amazing. Uh, and, and I would recommend anyone to experience Thanks a lot, guys. Had a lot of good reports from Honduras about what you guys accomplished. We have a medical team next month going over to do some medical work, and uh, we've got a great team going there also. Thank you so much for all you do, your giving, your support of missions, and uh, we try to keep you up to date with what's going on. And to all the guys in the house, I want to ask you a favor. Uh, you know, I, I really want you to, to attend the Wild Game event. Uh, we're going to have some fellowship, and we're going to have fun. But uh, there's so many men, and, and what I like to do is I, I meet guys all the time, and I want to connect them to another guy. And if we can all get in the same place, I want to connect you because there are some guys like you and like-minded. And, you know, I, I just think it, it would be good for us all to come together. Right, guys? Okay. 21 of you believe it's right. <laughs> well, let me say it this way. Uh, it is an all-men's event. Now, see, I didn't say women couldn't come. I just said it's an all-men's event. So, guys, I want you to show up. Ladies, kick them out of the house, okay? All right, yeah. All right, we're in the third part of a series called Giant Killers. If you missed the first two, I encourage you to go online and pick those up. Watch, listen to them. Uh, if not, you won't have the right foundation as we move into this. Uh, if you have your Bibles, we're going to look at Deuteronomy 7 and Proverbs 29. Deuteronomy 7 and Proverbs 29. <clears throat> this first verse we're going to look at is kind of the platform of, of looking at all the people groups. We're, we're looking at God's people who are promised the promised land and they come out with a negative report because there are giants in the land and these giants are foreshadowings of spirits that still operate today. Not in the physical but in the spiritual. So we're going to start this weekend looking at the people groups and identifying their spirit and their, their characteristic of how they operated. So Deuteronomy 7 verse 1. When the Lord your God brings you into the, land, into the land which you go to possess and has cast out many nations before you, the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Parasites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than you, verse 2, and when the Lord your God delivers them over to you, watch the next few words, you shall conquer them and utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them 
nor show mercy to them. Now, many of us have already made uh, friends or we've learned to cope with some of these giants, some of these spirits, because they haven't been identified. So that's what we're going to do. So this may be something you're going to deal with now or something in the future that you may deal with. The first giant we're going to look at, the first people group, are the Hittites. Well, what is their spirit? They operate, their mode of operation, the goal is to produce confusion. Uh, They will break you down with confusion, which produces fear. In the actual battle, what they would do is they would come in several directions. They wouldn't just line up and march forward, but they would come in several different directions. They would do all kinds of things to terrorize you, to get into your mind, to break you down, and by radical violence, extremism, uh, terror, anything to produce fear. Now, the Hittites in the natural, uh, they're going to fight, but before their fight, once they're in their position, here's what they would do. They would first threaten you verbally. They would have dialogue. They, they would shout out and say things to you. Verbally, their goal, they, they would demean you. They would tell you, this is how you should think. This is how you should act. This is what you should do. And, and they would make you feel inadequate. And, and what they would do with the children of Israel, it's like, well, we're going to call you children, little boys and girls. And so it, it was there to, to tell them you're inferior and you never amount to anything. That produces confusion, and as we listen to the demeaning voice of this giant, we start to operate in fear. Now, if you, if you have issues of fear, uh, there's a series I did in, in 2012 called Fear Not. I'd encourage you to go online and pick that up and get it. It will help you. In this message, I'm going to identify uh, what I think is the number one fear that attacks and, and comes against believers. So that's what I'm going to show you. Well, the question is, that is this spirit on the earth today? It is, and it operates the same. Their tactic is called hit and run, and their plan was to bring discouragement and doubt. And is this going on in your life? That's what I want you to ask yourself. And listen, you're the only one who can answer that. As you listen to the message, as I unfold this, and you let the Holy Spirit speak to you, you're the only one that can answer it. But if there is confusion and there's discouragement in your life, it will produce fear. The Hittites are masters of confusion. They will tell one group this, they'll tell another person that, and, 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 and they're constantly sowing all of these words to people to bring discouragement and confusion. And listen, it's very difficult to defeat confusion and discouragement when the fear of man sets in. Joshua and Caleb met these giants, defeated them, utterly destroyed them. How did they do it? When the Hittites attacked, they went back to what God said. They went back to the promises of God. God said, that's what they stood on. Here's what I want you to see. Today, that spirit operates in people. And people come and people go. And a man's opinions change and people's opinions change. People come in your life. People go out of your life. But one thing does not change, and that's God's word and God's promises. So how are you going to handle this giant? Well, God said, show no mercy. Utterly destroy this spirit in your life. Now, I believe that once you utterly destroy or cut off the head of this spirit in your life, 
confusion and discouragement's voice is, is no longer there. And, and, and so what you can do then is then you can hear God speak and show you where they come from and how you can close the door and how you can seal the door with the blood of the Lamb we talked about last weekend. And then you take the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, and you say, listen, I'm not listening to the Spirit of man anymore. I'm listening to the Spirit of God. We all have issues of fear. So how does God remove fear in my life? He has to get you into the place of being strong. If not, the thing you fear will conquer you and rule you. Fear is a very specific giant in the life of a believer. Specifically, the fear of man. The fear of man, I believe, is the most deceptive fear there is. It's the fear that most believers deal with, the fear of man. In other words, if you're, if you're bound by the fear of man, typically you don't realize it, and, and that's why it's so subtle. You don't realize it, or if you do, you seem to pass it off or play it down a little bit by simply saying, well, that's not really a, a spirit. That, that's just who I am. In this message, I have three questions, and I have three points. Here's the first question. What is the fear of man? What is this spirit of the fear of man? It's simply replacing your fear of God with the fear of something God's made. It, you could say it, it's idolatry toward human beings. It's caring more about what man thinks than what God thinks. It's lining up your priorities based on what people say rather than what God says. It's taking your life and laying it in the hands of people instead of laying it in the hands of God. And most people who are bound by the fear of man and every, you know, you, you, what they say, what they think, what they're going to do, how they're going to respond. If you're there and you're bound by the spirit, you will eventually fall into two different phases. Here's the first phase. You fall into being a people pleaser. You will go to the extremes to make sure everybody likes you because you don't want conflict. And so you, you're going to please that spirit of man. The second one is you, you, you want to control. You want to be a person who controls. And, 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 and when you identify some of these things, we call them control freaks. So you think if you can control everybody, what to say, how they do it, then you are protected and everything is safe. I'll tell you why you do those two things in a minute. We blame our personalities. It, 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 I'm, I'm just like that. You know, and you say, well, pastor, this is a spirit. That seems so serious. It's really just who I am. God wants you to be free from the fear of man. And here's the great news. It's easier to destroy a giant than it is to change a personality. It, in, if the fear of man has bound you, there is freedom, and we're going to understand the spirit and how to utterly destroy it. And we're going to go to Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25, and we're going to look at the first half of that verse. Here's what it says. The fear of man brings a snare. The fear of man, the, this spirit of the fear of man brings a snare. Here's my second question. Then what's a snare? It's a very simple trapping device. It was used to catch birds primarily. It had a real thin line to it, and it was like a noose, and you get it around the neck or the foot, and you pull it, and you, you, you've got them. Being snared in the fear of man is a spiritual issue. When you wander into the fear of man, it pulls tight on you and you become trapped. So the snare is the enemy's trapping device on the soul. What happens when we're caught by the fear of man, it's your soulish realm. Your soulish realm is where your emotions, where your mind, your will, that's where they all are going to sit right there. And so that's what it's going to capture. It's going to manipulate and it's going to hold on to. When you have this giant, it begins to speak to you. What does it speak? It's going to speak to confuse you. It's going to speak to demean you. It's going to speak to, to produce fear. 
But we know what the Bible says in 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind, a disciplined mind. So listen, fear is a spirit. In fact, it's a, it, it, fear is a prophetic spirit, but it's a false prophetic spirit. And here's what it's going to do. It's going to tell you what your future looks like, but it's not going to tell you the truth. It's going to manipulate you. It's going to lie to you. When you're bound in the fear of man, that fear prophesies what men are going to do, how they're going to accept you. Are they going to like you? Are they going to do this? Are they going to be this? Are you going to be about them and about that? That creates fear in you, and it takes people's promises, and it holds them from getting into their promise, their promised land. It keeps them from getting into the promised land until God comes and shines truth so you can be set free from this spirit. So this message is the word of God to shine truth for you to allow the Holy Spirit to identify this spirit. If it has, if it's controlling, if it has your soulish realm trapped, then you need to listen so the Lord can, can set you free from this, okay? Now, the most... It's the most common fear in the Bible. In fact, you've probably heard it said or taught that there are 365 fear knots in the Bible. Well, if you read the Old Testament and New Testament, almost every time when God is saying, fear not, here's what he's speaking of. He's speaking of don't fear them. Don't fear those people. Don't fear that nation. In Jesus' day, in the New Testament, He's speaking to a whole culture that was based on the fear of man, the Jewish culture. And since Jesus would not submit to the fear of man, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious groups, he would not submit to the fear of man. They hated him, and, of course, they killed him. In Luke 12 and 4, here's what the Scripture says. This is Jesus. And I say to you, this is to us, hey, friend, you're a friend of Jesus. Don't be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. When Jesus talks about fear, most of the time he's talking about fearing people. That's why it's so common among believers because we don't see it. We don't recognize it. And I want you to see three things about the fear of man. So here they are. Here's the first one. Number one, it snares you to man. The, this spirit will snare you or bind you to man. John 12, 42. Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him, Jesus. Because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the praises of men more than the praises of God. The fear of man binds you to people. In fact, it causes you to displace God's rightful place in your life so that men can sit on the throne of your heart. You say, well, there's a throne on my heart. Yes, you are a type of the temple. In the temple, there was a throne. There, there's an area. And what is sitting on that area, on that throne, on that seat, it decides who, 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 whose measure of rule you're going to live by. Who's sitting on your heart decides who's going to control, whose influence you're under. When you're bound to the fear of man, you're bound to what man thinks, what man cares about. Now, man, if he is the meter of your acceptance, your standard of success, your joy now, it's all tied. Your success and joy is all tied to the fickle feelings of people. Have you ever noticed how fickled we are? You didn't know you were fickled, did you? That's a whole new word, yeah. You are emotionally fickled, okay? We are. People are, we're all over the place. We, we know that. If man's approval, if, if that's what you seek now, if it's man's standard now that you judge by, 
if it's man's opinion and advice that you now value, if it's man's wisdom that you esteem, in other words, as man goes, so you go. When you're bound to what people think, you're ensnared to it. And listen, we do it. We do it. We're worried about what people think when we worship, when we pray, if we pray out loud, when, when there's a time to come to the, for ministry, what, what church we go to. I mean, all of these things are in our mind. Second Peter 2.19 says, when they promise, while they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption, for by whom a person is overcome, by him also is he brought into bondage. When you put someone in that place of fear... Jesus said what you do is that you put them on the throne and you're bound to serving them. So so listen, listen. It's the worst kind of bondage because here's why. Because with it, you are the least like you. You're the least, you're you're not really you. And and, and so the the real you is bound to someone else. So here's a good analogy. You, You probably have had this happen to you. You've ever been to a picnic or a family deal and you had the, the corn sack race where you got to put three legs in it and you got to run so you fall down and look stupid and all that, you know? Uh, you, you ever been to one of those? Okay, this group doesn't get out very much. Well, you take a potato sack and you put three legs in it and tie the legs together and you got to run from point A to point B, okay? That's how it works. So, l- listen, here's what I want you to see. It, it does not matter how, how athletic you are. I guarantee you in a three-legged race, somebody in that potato sack is going to slow you down or make you fall down. That's the picture of the fear of man. You are bound to man. You, 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 you can't be you. You don't even function as an individual because you're tied to the winds of people and what people think and how they think. And, and so you can't even walk your own walk. You can't even walk in the steps you're supposed to walk in and designed to walk in because you're following man and what man says and popular opinion. And so if the Holy Spirit is shining a light on you from this message... I want you to understand, he's not condemning you. He's just wanting you to be you and not follow man and not follow the spirit of man. Second thing about this spirit, this, this fear of man is it snares you from God. It binds you from God. When snared by the fear of man, it pulls you away from God. You remember the story of Simon Peter when Jesus said, hey, Peter, uh, Satan has desired to sift you like wheat. And, and by the way, uh, on this certain night, you're going to deny me three times for the rooster crows. And what does Peter do? Oh, not me. I'm, I'm, I'm going to die for you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut the ear off of Malchus. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. Well, you know the story. Here's Jesus over here and, and here's, here's Simon Peter and he's sitting around this fire in this courtyard and here comes a little girl and says, oh, I know you. You follow. Oh, no, not me. And then another guy says, oh, I know you. You follow Jesus. Oh, no, not me. No, that's not it. And the third time, after the third time, he hears a rooster crows, and this is where I want to pick up is verse 61. And when that rooster crows, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Can you imagine how he felt? He, he just turned and got his eye. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. There are only two people in the New Testament that went out and wept bitterly, and it's Simon Peter and Judas Iscariot. So, but here's what I want you to see. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ. But you may be thinking, well, Pastor, I, I, I've kind of walked away. I, I'm not that bold and that vocal. I, I'm really kind of following the flow of man. I'm really not that, that you know, I just want to kind of blend in. And, 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 and I, so I, my, maybe, I, maybe you do care more about people than God. But here's what I want you to see. He hasn't walked away from you. 
Jesus hadn't walked away from Simon Peter. Listen, our faith doesn't rest in our ability to hold on to him. Our faith rests in his ability to hold on to us, and his grip is stronger than our grip. That's what we have to hold on to. We have our ideal in our mind that when Jesus looked over at Peter, he looked at him with this sigh of disgust and say, what's wrong with you? Can't you get it together? What's wrong with you, big mouth? Can't, can't you walk your talk? No. But you see, that's not the way God communicated. I, I, I don't believe that's the way Jesus looked at him. I believe when Jesus looked at him, if you could communicate with a facial expression, I believe he communicated, Peter, come back. I, I love, come back. I knew all of that. I knew, I knew you were going to step into the fear of man and deny me. But that doesn't change anything. I still love you. Come back. He's not condemning. He's not beating him down. How many of you know you can communicate with a look? Have you ever just, you got that look, you look at your kids, right? You don't even have to say anything. They got it, right? And, 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 and ladies, you, you know that look too. You can look at your man and he, he knows, right? Guys, you know that look? Man, some of you had not had that look in a long time. Wow. Yeah, you, you know that look, okay? Would you agree with me that the closer and the more intimate with someone, the easier it is to cum- communicate with facial expressions? Sure. And, and David said to God, you lead me and guide me with your eye upon me. So the Lord is looking at many of us in this, me- in this service saying, come on back. I, I, know, I know you've been in trying to be in neutral ground. You've, you're trying to straddle a fence. I know the voice of fear is speaking to you, but come on, let's fix it. When the enemy wanted to sift the soul of the strongest apostle, Simon Peter, the guy who made all the big, bold statements, he had one of the strongest callings. When the enemy wanted to attack the strongest disciple, he used the fear of man. And Peter fell into this fear, and, and, and we do as well. We fall into it. If this giant has trapped you, he has brought out his big guns, and he's trying to keep you from the best of the promises that God has. If Simon Peter had not come back, if he had stayed under the fear of man, he wouldn't have accomplished his, his purpose and his destiny in his life, and I'm not sure how it would have worked out for him, but he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have completed that. The great thing about the Holy Spirit is, is while I'm teaching you and trying to explain and identifying this, this fear of, the man, of man, that he can whisper things to you that I can't say, and he can whisper things in a more intimate way. I'm on a path laying out a message to you, but he goes down this rabbit trail and speaks to things to you. And here's what he's saying to you. Come back. If, you, if, if you've been intimidated by this fear of man, if you've been in this place, come back. That, that, that's what the Holy Spirit's saying. Here, here's the third point. It, this, this, fear, this fear of man, it snares others through you. It binds others through you. When, when you. when you're bound, you bind other people. You become the person who sets the wounds and traps for other people. Pastor, are you saying that I'm being used by this spirit, by this giant? I am. Well, I, I don't know how to feel about that. Well, you shouldn't feel good about it, but you should feel great that God can fix it. If, if you're walking in this, you have wounds. What, what was the purpose of the spirit? To demean, to discourage. What? With words. You're inadequate. You can't do this. You need to do this. You shouldn't do that. That was their MO. That's how they operated. And so you protect yourself by pleasing people. You don't want anybody upset with you. You don't want to, you don't want to confront anybody. So you're going to please everybody and everything. Or you're going to try to control people because of your personality. You're going to control them so nothing can, can, can touch you. And so your protection is this control. You're a control freak. 
So you become an instrument of other people's bondage. Let, let me give you an example. Let me just show you. I'm going to read just a couple of scriptures. I'm not going to put them on the screen, but just listen and see what the commonality is. One scripture says, no one spoke openly of Jesus for the fear of the Jews. Another scripture says, his parents said these things because they feared the Jews. After this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews. What, what's happening here? What about the culture Jesus is in? Here, the Jews were the most fearful people related to man. That's why we find this story in the natural in the Old Testament. We're going to find it in the natural in the New Testament. They're fearful of people related to man. They did ev the Jews did everything out of pretense to impress people. That's what they tried to do with Jesus, the Pharisees, the Sadducees. They, they did everything out of pretense. Everything was an outward show. So, so what did they do? They replicated that on every person they got around. It didn't work on Jesus, but they replicated it. They put the snares on others. And here's Jesus is kind of giving this little, this little sweet uh, political speech to him in Matthew 23, 15. And, he, and he's talking to him, you know, like I'd be talking to you. And he said, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. Hypocrites, for you travel the land and the sea to win one proselyte, and when he's one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. Thank you, Jesus. That's such a sweet word. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> See, Pastor, I, that's really hard to hear. Yeah, it's hard to hear you're sick. But it's good to hear there's a cure. And you have to accept that if you're bound by the fear of man, you're starting to put that on other people. What you're bound by, you become a binder of. Whatever is affecting you will pass on to those in your life. And it goes in the family. It goes in a church. It goes in religion. It goes in those churches that are religious and, and families that are, it, it just passed on. So here's my third question. What is the solution? What is the solution? Well, let's go back to Proverbs 29, the last half of the verse. First half of the verse says, the fear of man brings a snare. We talked about what a snare is. Here's the last half. God puts this word, and I love this word, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. That word safe in the original language, here's the picture of that word. It, it means exalted, but it also has a picture of setting securely on high. So what does it say? Whoever trusts in the Lord, whoever believes in the Spirit of the Lord, whoever follows the Spirit of the Lord, they will be safe, set securely on high. It's showing us that the fear of man is set low. It, it, it's down here. But the one who trusts in the Lord is set securely on high. And in other words, you operate securely in a realm that's different than the spirit of the fear of man. You're operating in the spirit of God. So the only way you can relate to a person who's snared by the fear of man, those who are caught up in that and they're controlled by this, what people think and how, you know, what, what do I need to do and how do I want to do what everybody else does and I want to be accepted. I don't want anybody mad at me. When you're controlled by that, that snare, the fear of man, the way you, you, you address that is with an opposite spirit. What I'm telling you about, this is a spiritual battle, not a physical. The physical is in the natural. And, and we've been establishing all this in the natural and the spiritual, the natural, the spiritual. So, yes, this is a spiritual battle. This is not behavior modification. This is not change my personality. This is not get it right in my brain. You have to treat a spiritual problem with the opposite spirit to get a solution. Now, here's the danger with all of this. When you are controlled by the spirit the spirit, the fear of man, 
all fear-based relationships will deteriorate. And, and here's how they fall apart. By containment or by control. You're either trying to contain or control or rejection or revilement. So let me, let me look at those four real quick. The first one is containment. Well, if, if, if I'm in that, what's the opposite of that? It's the, well, the opposite spirit is liberty, not containment. 2 Corinthians uh, 3.17, now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, freedom. The opposite spirit is freedom. It's the opposite of having man's containment set on top of you. If you are being controlled and dictated by this fear of man, it's like taking a 55-barrel drum empty and putting it over you, and you're contained. And so in that containment, here's what happens. It limits your call. It limits your purpose. It limits your destiny. It limits your identity and your success because you're contained. All of those Hittite spirits are controllers. But the Spirit of God, when he comes in your life, he shatters the mold. He shatters the barrel, and you go free. That, that, that's what he's saying. It's not where you are that there's liberty, but it's where the Spirit of God is that there's liberty. And here's what the spirit of man tell you. No, it's a place. It's a certain church. It's this, it's this, and it's this. No, what you have to understand is that liberty is where the spirit of God is. It, and the spirit of God needs to be right here. I don't need to follow the spirit of man. When, when you let him, the spirit of God, he brings you freedom. He causes you to walk by the spirit and not by the flesh. Here's the danger of the spirit of the fear of man. It causes you, its connection is in your flesh. So you're doing everything from a fleshly motive, not from the Spirit of God motive. And so we, we have to understand that if there's containment, it's going to stop me. Secondly, there's control. What's the opposite of control? Opposite spirit is obedience. The opposite action of control is independence. But that's, that's not the answer. That's not the opposite spirit. If you try to operate just by forcing your independence in the flesh, you're doing the same thing that they're doing. You're trying to control yourself. And that, that's what I grew up in. You're trying to control yourself. You get it right. You got to go to church three times a week. You got to pray. You got to do this. You got to do this. You got to do all these spiritual push ups, read the Bible through three times a week, and do this and this and this. And you, you're trying to control man. The key is to come in the opposite spirit, God's spirit. Opposite spirit of control is obedience. When you're trying to operate in obedience, I don't care what you say or try to make me do. I. I you're not going to put me on guilt trips. You're not going to manipulate me. You're not going to touch my emotions and hold on to my mouth. I'm simply just going to obey. There is no trap when someone who simply says, I'm going to do what the Father shows me to do. I'm simply going to obey God rather than man. You're, listen, you're not called to conform yourself to the image of man's will. Did you hear the words come out of my mouth? You're not called to conform to the image of man's will. You're called, watch, to conform to the image of Jesus Christ, and that is done, is the job, that's the Holy Spirit's job, not your job. So people who are controlled by the fear of man, they want to play Holy Spirit and tell you everything you're supposed to do and not supposed to do. Wrong. You are, you're, you are to be in the image of Jesus Christ, and you're called to conform to his image, and that's the Holy Spirit's job, Here's your part, obedience, obedience. But if you're under this spirit of the fear of man, you're controlled. You're not, in, you're not in the freedom of obedience. So there's containment, there's control. Thirdly, there's rejection. Well, what's the opposite spirit of rejection? Well, that's the spirit, that, that, that is steadfastness. I, I'll, I'll illustrate it to you. 
the, the opposite action of rejection is acceptance. But that's not the opposite spirit. When someone comes with a spirit of rejection and you accept them in their dysfunctional behavior, all you're doing is empowering them to go forward in their pain. See, we all have wounds. We have pain. The opposite spirit of rejection is steadfastness. In other words, rejection, let's just say this pulpit. If I'm trying to reject it, I'm going to push it off this platform, okay? So I'm, I'm going to reject it. But, but you have to understand that, that what, what we have to see is the opposite of that would be steadfastness. So I may try to reject it, but it's anchored, and I can't push it off this platform because it stays where it's planted. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, the stone the builders rejected has now become the chief cornerstone. Jesus. Jesus said, I am who I am. I am here to do what I'm called to do. And he became the chief cornerstone of the church. You're the church. Why is he the chief cornerstone? Because he was not moved by rejection and he was not moved by fear. When you're getting rejected, the best thing to do is plant your feet and hold on to what God said. When fear comes along, the best thing to do is plant your feet and hold on to what God says in his word. But if you're following the whims and the winds of the spirit of man, and you're going to flow around with this and flow around with that, you're going to miss it. You're, you're going to miss it. Here's the last one. Got to finish. Talked about rejection, control, and, and, and containment. Number four is revilement. The opposite spirit is blessing. Now, now watch this. Not, this, this is going to shock you. This is really going to shock you. I know it is. But do you know that not everybody is going to like you? I know that's a shocker. Not everybody's going to like you. <laughs> and listen, this one too. You will be talked about. So if the spirit of the fear of man is, you're going around trying to be a pleaser so nobody talks about you, or you're trying to control everything so nobody talks about you. See, see not everybody's going to love you. And by the way, you do have to love everybody to get to heaven. But now you don't have to like everybody. <laughs> That's just my little, <laughs> I'm going to love everybody to get to heaven, but there's some folks I don't like. And I know when I get to heaven, God's probably going to put them their house right next to my house. <laughs> I know. He has that kind of humor. Watch this scripture, 1 Peter 3, 8. Finally, all of you be one of, my, of one mind, having compassion for one another, love as brothers, be tenderhearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for revival, reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, watch, that you may inherit a blessing. Remember when I talked about inheritance in, in the first message. Inheritance, this blessing. When someone begins to revile, don't go out and revile. When they begin to talk, don't, don't stand up and, and, and blow off and, and, and speak and, and tell your side. You begin the spiritual warfare of this. What do you do? You bless them with prayers. You say, well, that just goes against the grain. Sure it does. Sure it does. That's why he wants you to do it. You inherit a blessing, though, when you do it, and you stay free, and you stay in a place where you can minister. Wait, listen, before you came to God, you were reviling God, but he didn't step on you. He, he didn't call you out. He, he blessed us. So what is the key to utterly destroying the Spirit? Watch. It's really simple. First, you have to see it. And I pray what I have taught you and shown you is that now you see it. So first, you have to see it. Secondly, you need to receive ministry. Why? You need to receive ministry so you can be safe. 
You need to identify it and see it. You need to receive ministry, and you need to be safe in a place lifted up and secure. Without ministry, here's what we do. So many people hear the message. They hear the word of God, and they receive it. And God even speaks to them, but they walk out the door. I can do this. I I can handle this. I'll do it on my own. Well, you you can't do that. That's the fear of man. You can't do it on your own. You can't do this by yourself. You need, watch, the help of the very thing you fear. What? The fear of man. You need to come to another believer that the word is speaking to you. Sometimes you don't know how to pray. Sometimes you can't see clearly. You just know God's speaking, and you need to step out and come to another believer and let them pray for you, minister to you, so that you can break out of the deception and get into a safe place. You can't do it in your street, on strength. If you think you can beat the giants in your own strength, it won't work. Here's why. Watch. Because you have a wound. If the spirit of man is manipulating, if this spirit of this giant spirit is manipulating, it's because you have a wound, and a wound leaves you vulnerable. I'll give you an example. You've seen these action-packed movies where at the very end, the end of the movie comes down to the good guy and the bad guy. Remember that? And they've got to fight it out. And if the good guy wins, oh, boy, what an ending to the story. But most of the time, the good guy's been shot. His arm is broke. He's got a knife in his leg, and he's bleeding out his nose. What does the enemy do in the fight? The enemy begins to hit the wounds. That's exactly what the enemy does. If you don't get the wounds of the words healed, you can't move forward. It it doesn't matter how hard you try, the giant's going to hit the wound to get you back to the old behavior. So what do you need? You you need to be free from this spirit, but you need the wounds healed. As long as you follow this spirit, the wounds aren't going to be healed. And, And listen, you may be sitting here listening to me, and inside you're arguing, and, and, and you're arguing, and God's trying to talk to you. You're even arguing with him. All the evidence that I have presented to you, but you still may say, I, I, I can't let that go. I, I, I can't. You, you understand this spirit controls how you worship. It controls how you respond to a message. It controls being open to people to let them pray for you, to intercede for you, to help you. It controls all that. And so here's what God says, here's what God said to tell you. If you're wrestling with this inside, he just says to you, this is me talking. And anything that comes from me is good. So don't, don't, don't argue with it anymore. Just let me. Just, just come back. Just come to me. Let, let me fix it. Let me heal the wounds. Let, let me repair you. Let me put you in a place that you can walk in your steps that I've ordered. Let me put you in a place to walk into your promises. Can you imagine where we would be today as a church if Simon Peter had not come back? If he'd have been... If, he, if he'd have been, and it took three denials for him to get past that, and then Jesus looked at him with love and compassion. All of, I, I've been in this place. Here's how it affects a pastor. We are a spirit-led church, so God leads us and directs us. But here's what the enemy will do. He comes and he says, well, if you do that, they're going to react this way. If you do that, those people are going to say, that if you do that, they may leave. If you do this, you do that. But you see, listen to me. The, the reason God's hand is on this church, and, and I'm not saying everything we try to do works. It doesn't. That's how we learn. But, some, but when we know we're, we're going that way, 
It's not based on popular opinion. It's not based on a poll. It's not based on the spirit of man. And the spirit of man, the people come in here with the spirit of man, they can't stay here. They can't stand it. Why? Because it goes against the grain because they can't get their hands in and control it and manipulate it. But you see, anything that God controls is free. Anything God controls is walking in the steps that he's ordered. He's ordered this house to be a house that produces freedom in his people. Why? So his people can be free. So his people can operate in what he's called you to operate in, to step into your promises and fulfill what he's called. Don't let this spirit manipulate you and lie to you. Get healed. Amen. I want to pray for you. Lord, thank you so much for loving us. And I know, Lord, there is no way we can fully understand spiritual things, spiritual matters. But, Lord, some of this is just by faith to know that what you have ordained, set apart for our lives, is good. And if we're controlled and we've been beaten down and demeaned and discouraged and we're manipulated and we're so fearful to step out of the boat. If we're so manipulated that we want to follow the popular flow and the wind of man and what man thinks and all that, then, God, we're going to miss what you have. Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit will speak to the hearts of the people that this fits, that, you have, that you're talking to. And may they respond and receive ministry today to get into a safe place because that safe place is exalted and lifted up where the enemy, this spirit, can't reach can't address and can't communicate with because of your spirit we thank you in christ's name and the church said amen